0: Rob Hutchinson. He is from a dear South Africa uh, and he's going to be talking to us, as he always does, about Parliament and public participation. Rob, how are you doing? Very well in yourself, Benji? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. Now, you have uh, something which we don't think about all that much uh, on a day-to-day basis, but if you've ever had a, a problem in this area, you will be very interested in what you have to say. The sectional title amendment bill uh which is proposing a number of changes affecting landlords developers body corporates managing agents owners and tenants so if you don't fall into one of those categories you're basically under a bridge
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much indeed so it is it does affect uh, everyone uh, no matter who, who you are, unless you don't live in a sectional title establishment, of course. And it's, it's mainly aimed at um, the management of common areas, the submitting of plans for extensions and other, other areas related to maybe taking control of what has been uh, a problem with with uh, developers as as such, with there been a number of questionable developers, and there are long existing problems with developers who seem to disappear or not be able to uh, be contactable or just don't comply with with the rules or uh, requests of body corporates and tenants as such so what what this bill does, and I think it 's been bouncing around parliament for for quite a while since around about August last year in various different forms. And what it provi- uh, provides is for the developer must now attend meetings and answer questions posed to them by, by the body corporate or, or tenants as, as such. And it also addresses a, another quite, quite a considerable problem faced by uh, owners of sectional titles. If, if you want to do any amendments or extensions or consolidation of, of properties – within your within your unit as such you have to resubmit the plans for the entire entire complex or or housing development instead of just uh, your your own so what this what this uh, amendment uh, caters for is it allows uh, developers to submit plans in a, in a different way and make sure that they still comply with the requests of body corporates it takes uh, it takes um, or it makes uh, common areas more accessible, and it's, it mainly takes control of the way property is managed within within sectional titles and it It more protects the the owners and uh, investors rather than uh, giving full rights to to the developers such in the past developers had way too much uh, say over what what goes on and you, you had cases where development uh, developers uh, uh, bought up majority of units and then lease them out um, with with a with a no with a no purchase option. So the, this was this new amendment also takes care of of that situation, saying how they must combine the two, whether it's a, a for lease or for purchase, and the rights that are shared between everyone.
0: Okay, so some interesting tightening up of uh, of our property sector. I think that that will be. Uh, of interest to uh, to to certainly people who are considering renting or or developing property so definitely worth commenting on there uh Rob your second one for us today is the South African Post Bank Amendment Bill now there's been a lot of talk uh in ANC alliance circles for a long time about a state owned bank uh, or lots of moaning about the unbanked and people not connect, being connected to the financial service sector, uh, and they want to transform the post office into a bank. Why?
1: Okay, so that's, I think that is the big question as, as to why. So if you look at the bigger picture, um, we recently, I think last week, we chatted about the Reserve Bank wanting to introduce their credit card, the South African-only credit card. And that, to me, seems to be a move towards a cashless society and addressing the, the unbanked as, as such. This seems to be another uh, part of that uh, initiative, um, the, there's always been a, a post bank So you can do basic banking at, Through the post office And it's managed under the, under the post office By the Minister of Communications However, this uh, proposal Is the establishment of a new State-owned company called The South African Post Bank Holding Company, SOC Limited Where SOC stands for a, a State-owned company Now, this is separating The Post Bank from the Post Office and turning the Post Bank into a fully-fledged operational bank that can uh, stand in line and, and compete with, with the, the big four out, out there. And, but interestingly, this is still under the control of the Minister of Communications and Digital Technologies. In fact, the minister is the sole shareholder of this new state state-owned company and state-owned bank. So there are some rather concerns around how this is all going to work because it, the bank will still have fall under the Banks Act as well as the Public Finance Management Act, which might make it things rather, rather difficult or, or clumsy, at cetera. One major concern that I, that I have picked up is the appointment of the board is done by the Minister of Communications, how effective that might be again is is that for question, however, that what they have addressed here is that the first board is appointed by the Minister of Communications in concurrence with the minister of of finance. Now, the big question is why do we need a, a state a state owned bank and i think the the obvious there is to address um uh, grant payments uh, and so on to to further up that line and the that's, I think that's actually reflected in the annual report of the post bank where their their major growth was in the issuing of, of grants. And especially during COVID, they, the, the 350 rand additional thing was done mostly through, through the post bank rather than SASA. So will we see a, a combining or consolidation of many state-owned organizations and to trim down government expenditure? Let's hope so. But, There again, we have concerns around establishing a new state-owned company, especially a bank. So, yeah, it's it's rather concerning, here, but also rewarding.
0: Very, very interesting stuff going on uh, around that for sure. Now, Rob, I wanted to ask you uh, some general questions around the issue of petitions because often we we find that people are not sure what does it mean, uh, you know, how do petitions actually work. Uh, The South African Friends of Israel, for example, um actually put together a, a it's, it's uh, sitting at a sort of 123 124,000 people at the moment signed on behalf of the the chief justice and they handed it over to his office on 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 Friday. I know some of the cities have options when it comes to to petitions. So so where do petitions fall really in the South African system these days?
1: Well, petitions are definitely still uh, considered public participation, and there's, there's two ways to, to present the two types of petitions. Um, uh, you can have a petition that's just by yourself, where you are complaining about a problem that you have been unable to resolve, say a pension payout or, or something like that, that you can submit directly to, to National Assembly and they can discuss it there. Or you can have a public, uh, public petition, where you've gathered participants all supporting a same, a similar cause, which is uh, what, what you just did on, on, or what you just mentioned on, on that one petition that you have done. And that has to be presented to National Assembly through a member of parliament. And then they discuss that should they, should they wish to. It's got to be presented in the correct form and so on. There's no limit or threshold on, on number of Supporters or signatures that that must be uh, on the petition in order for them to act. They are obligated to discuss it, no, no matter what. But then it is just they have to discuss it and then they don't really have to act on on anything. There's an interesting loophole, though, in that you can present a petition th- directly through to the National Council of Provinces, and they have to discuss it. You can present it directly to. The, the speaker or the chair And then they, they will do it there That avoids going through a political party Which often taints the whole process Of trying to present something to to the ruling party Through an opposition member They will instantly put up, put up that wall But yeah, they, they are um, effective in, in gathering support for a cause and the best way is to do it to national assembly because then it gets discussed on a on a broader broader process but there again pick your pick your member of parliament carefully so that they don't instantly have a political conflict or political motive behind it
0: so I mean how would that work uh, you know, let's say it takes something which people are worried about consistently like water for example so I have a problem in my uh, that there's a huge water corruption issues somewhere in Limpopo. Are you saying that if if I went to uh, someone, maybe someone who happened to live in Limpopo from the National Assembly and said, raise this, do they have to raise it in the committee or can they actually table it in the National Assembly for discussion?
1: Well, if you want to table it in the National Assembly, then it will have to be through to the correct minister in in that instance who looks after the general uh, water and environment and, and so on. However, if it's a municipal issue then you can petition either your province directly, and I'd, I'd suggest going that route because municipalities tend to not notice petitions or pay any attention to them. However, the province itself, the provincial legislature, has is obligated to to do that and act and then report back to the municipality, and the municipality has to report back, back to them. So that would be the better route to go there. However, um, if it's a... On uh, issues such as critical issues such as water, I go straight to the National Assembly and they can raise it with the uh, correct committee who can then act on the ministers who are, uh, act as an oversight body into the various, various departments.
0: Well, there you go. Absolutely interesting. I didn't know that that's uh, something that you could do. So I'm glad that, uh, that we learned something new today. Rob Hutchinson from Dear South Africa. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, quick parting shot. What can we expect on Wednesday?
1: <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday uh, in, in our show we, we got an interesting chat there. We're going to be talking about the the Problems facing pension Funds and administration of, of Pension funds, we've recently seen A lot of uh, amendments to tax Bills and particularly on how Pension funds must now uh, Invest in uh, state owned infrastructure and infrastructure Development, not that they must but They are now uh, given a more Sort of easier route to do that, we're going to Discussed with a member of parliament um, on who knows a lot about this, uh, on what the thre- the dangers are and the threats to to uh, pension fund members, especially on the government employees pension fund side.
0: Absolutely crucial discussion that brings us to the end of the show for today. Thank you to so so much to the whole team who helps put it together. Craig who pushes all the big red buttons, Mashidi who does the production side of things. Uh, we have Vusi on the sound. And thank you to you, dear listeners, who tune in every week to listen to us. And please do tune in next week on the New Book Review.